Welcome to the Unschooling the Mind podcast, where we unravel all of the beliefs and deep conditioning that has been programmed into our mind through decades of infiltration by institutions, media, and governments of whom we no longer trust. In an attempt to heal ourselves and free our children from the same circumstances, we bravely face the rabbit holes that we have been incessantly warned not to explore. My name is Tasha Fishman, and I was a regular Matrix mummy previously trapped on planet mind control like everyone around me until the absurdity of the 2020 mandates and public health measures which hit the school system. I took my kids running and never looked back. Unschooling them and myself has led to a new reality. I was forced to shed my old beliefs and birth a new version of myself, a former recovering people pleaser all the way to the Canadian trucker convoy. I didn't know this was in the cards, but here I am today as an unschooling advocate, public speaker, and the founder of the International Unschooling the Mind private community. My life is unrecognizable today, but I wouldn't change a thing. So let's get into it, friends, and unschool our minds together. Welcome, Landon Starbuck. Thank you so much for joining us today in the Unschooling the Mind community. I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. I feel like we connected sometime last year and hectic, busy mama schedules. We finally, finally found some time to get connect. And what's crazy about this is it's on a week that's uh, kind of a showstopper for you guys because you just dropped your documentary, The War on Children with your husband, Robbie. And something really fascinating happened in terms of censorship. I'm hoping you can share with us. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And, um, you know, I've just been a long time follower of you and love that you're a warrior mama and that you're standing up for medical freedom um, and truth and, you know, all the things that that we're fighting. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, we released our documentary and, and we did expect there would be some censorship because it's about protecting children. And, you know, I've been a child advocate for quite some time and I've seen the censorship firsthand on these sensitive issues. But it was really interesting because, you know, for a what's supposed to be a open capitalist capitalist market, you can't take out ads. They wouldn't, they were denying our ads on all of these social media platforms. So not only are we dealing with censorship, but we can't even pay them to take out ads to promote our film. So it's all been word of mouth, um, really amazing people watching it. You know, Elon Musk uh, has been sharing it. Um, a lot of influencers that have been helping spread the word. So uh, we're just amazing. trekking right along and hoping to get the word out. Amazing. So, so let, let's talk about that for a second. Elon Musk, it's always up in the air, good, bad, what side's he on, you know, once in a while he says something that makes you want to cringe. And then all of a sudden he's sharing your documentary, right? So I, I mean, I, I see that Twitter's supposed to be the platform for, you know, the non-censorship crew, but I do know people that are getting their accounts taken away or comments that are being deleted. So it's kind of a toss up. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I just know from the child protection space that 
Um, when he came to Twitter, it was an absolute disaster with CSAM, what's known as child sexual sexual abuse material or child pornography was rampant all over the platform. Mm. And it took a lot of resources to prioritize that. Um, and I think that there's still a lot of work to be done on, on that front and the pornography front um, and even the censorship front to undo what was done. Um, he hasn't had the platform, you know, that long. Uh, so, you know, there's some grace there, but I'm still very vocal about pushing him, you know, to not have kids, not invite kids on the platform and, and, and if you can't clean up the platform. So, um, you know, he knows where I stand on that, but I also am very grateful because uh, without X, there would be no free speech platform at all for us. Mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. so him getting the word out about our film, I think is doing a massive good. Um, but I, you know, again, I don't know him personally. I'm not going right. to speculate on who he is as a person or what his motives are, but I'm just, we're immensely grateful for, you know, what he's done to help us uh, elevate these child protection issues. Yeah, we and we're grateful too to Elon. We're, I'm not fully sure, Elon. I'm going to keep you on a side eye, little arm's length, but I'm really happy that you've done this and really happy that the, the word's getting out. So, in my background, the last I would say, I don't know, I haven't been an advocate as long as you. I certainly was aware of trafficking, but just like the average person would be aware, you know, the missing children on the back of milk cartons, like didn't look into it much. Why would I? Didn't know anyone in particular, but. When I had my kind of spiritual awakening, as I call it, back in May of 2020 with the whole, um, you know, COVID scam, that sent me immediately and led me to child trafficking, which is wild, right? But it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, the path that that we go. And, and so your documentary, I started speaking out and trying to do some presentations. I was asked to speak publicly in different venues, and I connected a lot of the dots. But I mean, you guys are really doing what I feel because I'm a woman of faith, you know, God is calling you to do because you have been able to make this visually appealing, beautiful documentary, well thought out all of the points. I'm just, I'm just amazed by it. And we will definitely have all that information in the show notes for people to go and, and order it. So I, we just really appreciate you. So one of the things in the unschooling, the mind community that we discuss a lot, because um, I did a, years of studying under Jason Kristoff is about mind control and about subliminal messaging. And we talk a lot about the subconscious brain, the subconscious part of our mind, which is always accessing repetitive content, always looking for repetitive cues because humans, in order to seek the safety in the herd, that old part of our brain thinks <clears throat> that we need to mimic repetitive behavior, whether it's detrimental to us or not. So I was just amazed that the first point in your documentary was about um, this, the word that you guys used was the mere was exposure this? effect, the mere exposure effect. And can right. you explain that a bit more? And were you aware of that before you started doing your deep dives into this documentary? Yes, I was aware of the mere exposure effect because I came from Hollywood. Um, they are the purveyors of it on a daily basis. And my husband as well. He used to direct uh, you know, Natalie Portman, Snoop Dogg, award-winning uh, artists um, in Hollywood. And we actually made the decision to leave Hollywood um, years ago to stand up for our beliefs and to raise our children with um, conservative values in an area that wasn't going to 
you know, cancel us, which happened before cancel culture was a thing. And there was even a word for it. We didn't really understand why our kids were suddenly getting uninvited to birthday parties and, you know, just horrible experiences. But I'm so grateful for those because it illuminated so much of what was going on. And I think that um, in a way, God was helping us uh, to learn and prepare uh, what was to come so that we can maybe help lead uh, in the right direction or maybe even get ahead of some of the things that were that we were seeing so that we could help, you know, awaken the, the masses to this thing and use our talents, you know, our God-given yes. talents, um, you know, with, with me and music and writing and my husband and filmmaking, um, I think that we were able to join our talents to, you know, bring this documentary to the forefront um, and I forgot your other question. Sorry, I just went off on this other tangent about no, that uh, was Holly- perfect. Oh, the mere exposure effect. The mere right? exposure like, effect. Uh, yeah. So, so basically, if people don't know what that is, it's the idea that the more you're exposed to something, whether you want to or not, the more you tend to prefer it because your mind, your subconscious mind, as you um, so eloquently you know, taught us, it it absorbs these things and it tends to prefer it. So whether you like something or not, your mind becomes familiar and the brain always seeks what is familiar. It's a sense of comfort. Even if that that familiar is an unstable home or a, abuse, you know, it, it, it just seeks what is comfortable because that's what it knows. Um, and so when we are inundated, especially our kids with this sexualized messaging, um, uh, gender ideology, uh, masks and lockdowns and this fear campaign incessantly, it is just a matter of time before our brain starts to really, you know, open ourselves up to that fear and say, well, what if, you know, even the strongest people, it takes an active you know, consciousness to push back on that and say, no, this is, this is propaganda. What, what's happening to me They're They're pushing these ideas so many times. And so that's really how you can tell if you are being manipulated uh, using the mere exposure effect. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating, right? Because the subconscious mind is responsible for, for running 97 to 98% of our, our programs, like of our behaviors, which is fascinating. Right. And so of course we're not taught this in school. This is actually hidden. My degree and my background is in psychology. You know, I learned and I how to use cognitive behavioral therapy to change behavior, but we never talked really about the subconscious mind. We never talked about programming. We never talked about an elite group of people who are using it to herd the, the sheep, so to speak, or the human human farm into a certain direction, which is really what's happening. And what's even more fascinating for those that don't know is that the subconscious brain actually doesn't know the difference between what it's seeing in person and what it's seeing on the screen. So, you know, you introduce violent content, you introduce whatever, if you're, you come from an abusive family, you'll more likely pick out and repeat those patterns in your life. If you came from the tribe of, you know, the unhealthy toxic takeout, if you came from the tribe of the smoking, like all of those things repeat in our adulthood, right? So here you're saying, and what you guys described perfectly in the documentary is that our kids and ourselves are being infiltrated like rapid fire, like fifth generational warfare by this propaganda, by this repetitive content of the LGBTQ and this idea of gender ideology. And all of this stuff is coming at us absolutely everywhere. And so in essence, you're saying the more we're exposed to this, especially early exposure for our children, the more we're um, going to normalize it. Absolutely. And I think our kids are fed a steady diet of you know leftism and these these radical beliefs because everywhere they go they don't really see you know our values on display they see the the rainbow flag the you know uh, universal pride flag or they see BLM or they see you know 
people wearing t-shirts, you know, so they, they get a lot more impressions, uh, you know, of this leftism and this, this ideological extremism, um, on coming from the left than they do good conservative values, Christian values, um, or just, you know, basic good moral values that we used to all share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, there's definitely an attack on the on the family unit. And the, the more I've looked at it, it's, you know, it's a war on our children. But it's been a long time of the attack on the feminine and attack on the masculine to get to this place where now it's like, right, right on our kids, right? So um, let's talk a little bit about as you move through the documentary about the corporate technocracies that are funding these NGOs that are actually pushing this repetitive content. So DEI basically equals wokeism and um, the, the incentives are astronomical. And when, when you dig deep, everything from my opinion, and I want to hear from you, goes back to Vanguard and BlackRock. It goes back to these huge entities that own 98% of the world's resources that are run by the same ruling elite class families who have been kind of running us since I don't know how long, the beginning of time. What's your thoughts on that? And were you aware of that before diving in to create this? Yes, we were aware of it before, um, back when it was just a conspiracy theory. Mm. Uh, but now it's undeniable. I mean, the what BlackRock is doing to our housing market um, and just how capitalism and big tech is. It's really interesting how capitalism or uh, uh, corporatism and big tech have merged together to achieve these ideological goals because they don't really stand for the products that they sell anymore. They stand for DEI and CRT and you know all of these ideological mm -hmm. objectives uh, being ultimately pushed uh, and cultivated by these globalists, but it's just, you know, it comes out through these, these corporate entities. So now you can't, your kid wants to buy a pair of Converse shoes. You know, there's going to be a messaging uh, in those shoes and on the outside of those shoes. You, you can't escape it. You want to buy your kid Legos. They're also messaging that to children. Um, and so it, I think, you know, the corporate arm is really the mechanism or one of many, but primarily that they've been using to reach, you know, families and children, because, mm -hmm. you know, we have to shop at, you know, someplace at the end of the day and buy essentials and all of that. And some of these things are avoidable. And some of these places are avoidable and people are not able to, you know, choose alternatives in a lot of cases. So, um, they know that and, and mm -hmm. they've, they've taken advantage of that. Hundred percent. I, I live in a small little town up in the Rocky Mountains in British Columbia, China. And uh, last week, I just found out that um, they're having a pride festival at my kids' ski racer, my littlest one, at the ski hill. And so, you know, I just kind of held my breath. And you know, like I said, I have I have lots of gay friends. It's nothing about this. And and the way they try to turn that on us and make it seem like, you know, we're bigots or we're transphobes or homophobics. I mean, that's old news, but. Then I saw afterwards them promoting a drag queen uh, show at the tea bar, you know, at their, their bar that they have. And, and, you know, it's just unbelievable. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's another one. I mean, you just can't get away from it. And that's, you know, I mean, it is so apparent, but so many people are fearful of saying anything for being canceled. So what is the most important thing that parents can do with their, what, how important is purchasing power, for example? when it comes to it's these corporations. Huge. It's it's huge because it's it's literally voting with your dollar every day. You know, a lot of people give more power to politicians than they actually have, but it's really, mm. we have a lot of power because if every single one of us stops supporting these entities that are pushing sexualization of children or, you know, transgender ideology onto kids, they would go bankrupt because mm -hmm. the, the, 
Americans, you know, do not support this. The, the vast majority of us do not support sex changes for kids. Mm-hmm. But but we are we have uh, in America a culture of convenience, you know, and and I think that that convenience is, you know, bred complacency, and so we just do what's easy rather than what is right. And I think that is the fundamental, you know system that has to change is is from within from people because we can blame politicians all day we can talk about the globalists and the elites but we mm-hmm. actually have a lot of power that we're just not using every day um and you know i, I want to take this opportunity to mention I, I just wrote this parenting revolution manual and it's free for anybody who wants to you know see a battle plan of like what actions can we actually take you know beyond seeing our film to in, in our own lives, in our communities. What is what are those actual examples? Um, it's free. Uh, so you just go to freedomforever.us. That's my nonprofit that combats child exploitation and you can get it um, because I really want uh, solutions for people. I don't just want us to lament in all of this horrible stuff that's happening. I really mm-hmm. want to empower people, especially parents, to rise up, take their power back and start taking the necessary actions to protect our kids and save our country. That's huge. And up here, you know, we unfortunately don't have the amount of people that you do in the States. I know that there's a company called The Switch that's just come up and it's based out of the States and it's going to help Canadians make that switch over to certain products. And I think you guys have the wellness box. Is there any other kind of, or would that be in your, your document, your battle plan? So uh, one of the things we have is Public Square. Um, and so that's like a online marketplace of value uh, aligned businesses that otherwise would be canceled. Um, So, you know, that's something that I go out of my way to support however I can those businesses um, on there. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if they have that in Canada, but be awesome to see see that come there. They think they just started the sovereign square. So there's a real attack on small and medium sized businesses here in Canada. Our inflation's through the roof. I'm sure it's quite the same. I mean, I feel like this is a, a global attack on Western countries. So I will have all that in the show notes for everybody. So let's get moving on to uh, something which I like to talk about and people get really um, afraid, but about the dark roots of this movement, because this didn't just happen. It seems like it happened overnight, but it really didn't. And so we talk about characters like Alfred Kinsey, John Money, uh, Hugh Hefner and the porn industry all played a part in creating laws and and funding research that really was falsified and predatory data that especially Alfred Kinsey that was um, used to fool the public into believing the notion that children are sexual from birth. And I couldn't believe in your documentary, listening to that one doctor who works for Pornhub talk about, have you ever seen an 18 month old masturbate itself? Like I just blown away by these sex activists with these titles who are coming into these industries and purporting Alfred Kinsey's work when he is clearly was an unstable pedophile who was selected and then protected and pushed to in an industry by a a bigger group unknown, clearly. What are your thoughts on all of these characters? Well, I totally agree with you. This has been going on so long. Um, And you have these globalist entities like even Planned Parenthood uh, Federation you know, PPFA globally, um, the World Health Organization, um, all of these entities, UNICEF, have been sexualizing children, and they do harbor a uh, universal belief that children are sexual from birth, and their documents reflect that. 
Uh, I think it was UNICEF at one point said that there's no evidence that pornography is harmful to children. And here, years later, we have pornography in schools. So they they don't just believe that that children are sexual from birth. They actually believe children have rights separate mm -hmm. from their parents that include their sexual expression um, and even their education, which you know they're going to use as a as a mechanism to push not just the pornography, but, you know, ideological objectives as well saying, you know, they have a right to the internet to, to a wide open internet unfiltered because they have a right to information, education, they have a right to healthcare, you know, meaning abortions and uh, transgender surgeries and hormones and puberty blockers. They're doing this under a child rights initiative. And this has been boiling for decades. And um, we've just slowly suppressed it by this, the small amount of groups fighting back at the UN. Um, but unfortunately, it's just trickled here. And one of the ways they did that was these puppet orgs, you know, under Planned Parenthood. Uh, you, there's so many of these orgs like Trevor Project that they just they pop up out of nowhere. Who's mm -hmm. funding them? Then mm -hmm. you go look at who's funding them, you know, and then that's where you get into the, the big tech, big pharma um, and these globalists like the Soros Foundation. So it's all connected. So none of this, none of these movements here are organic. Um, these are all being well-funded um, little puppet orgs that execute these objectives in the United States. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, when you look, there's like the, the George Soros and Jennifer Prichter and like these old men that should be like enjoying the fruits of their labor on a beach somewhere in retirement. And you've got to wonder, you know, how compromised are they to keep, you know, pushing this agenda and, and, and funding these things. And it's just all money related. If you follow it, you can kind of see who the, the main characters are. So one of the ways, so you've got these puppet NGOs and another way up here in Canada that they're using to kind of take away parental rights and push this agenda is through legislation. So we have had a bill from all parties. So it would be like the same as Republican and Democrats. So our liberal and our conservatives and our NDP came together and all unanimously voted for bill C4, which allows for zero, they call it conversion therapy. And you have to gender affirm your child immediately on the onset, no matter what. And we have had parents that have gone to jail for not wanting uh, hormone blockers to their 12-year-olds. Like we had a gentleman up here that was in jail for 69 days. They gag order the court cases. You are not allowed to take your child outside the country to find them help. Or And, and no clergyman, no, no mental health professional, nobody can speak anything other than the pharmaceutical and political agenda that's pushed on them. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. And most Canadians are completely unaware of this until it happens to them. We also have the Bill 67 Education Act right now that's passing through our Senate, second reading, where they are actually changing the definition of racism to being an unconscious notion as well as a conscious notion. And they are saying that all teachers now graduating here, therefore, have to be fully submersed and graduated in the DEI programming. And in order to move up the ladder in their career, they have to be proponents of the unconscious notion that, that racism is unconscious. They have to sign off on that and be well-versed in DEI. So like this is all happening at the same time as the corporate technocrats are pushing this repetitive content. So we have a couple provinces up here where their premiers have stood up and said, no, from you're going to have to, telling the schools, you're going to have to inform parents if your kids under 16 want to change their pronouns. So to only two, 
out of 10 provinces and, and two territories have actually tried to put this in place. And there's been a huge uproar. It's absolutely insane. And I'm sure it's the same in the States, but tell us kind of what's going on there with legislation. Right. Well, I mean, y'all have been battling this longer than we have. And I started paying attention to what was going on in Canada. Um, and it was just unbelievable. Uh, parents getting arrested and, and families being separated and then watching their legislative you know, plans and uh, executed very alarming. And I started warning people here, this is going to happen here. And of course, you know, people just deny it and say, oh, that's not going to happen here. And then it starts happening. And, and now we're in that same situation. And luckily we were able to fight back in my state of Tennessee um, to ban child mutilation. And now it's going to the Supreme court. Um, but in other States, you know, they've had a really hard time because they're doing the same thing, you know, that they're doing in, in your country where they're weaponizing language, you know, there's language contamination. So they're redefining the word safe or an abuse, mm -hmm. you know, so what was once abusive, you know, a, a parent, you know, sexually or physically abusing a child it, now abuse is to not use your child's pronouns, preferred pronouns. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. now in States, uh, in Montana, actually, most recently that we just was in our news cycle, um, a family was separated from their child. You know, CPS is able to come and take your child, legal state kidnapping. And um, this is happening in many states, actually. It's not just Montana now, it's it's many states. So it it has to be a priority, a legislative priority in every, especially red state, uh, because if they, they will try to take this to the Supreme Court. They will try to change, um, you know, our constitution, things like that to, to be more inclusive, as they say, but really it's, conversion therapy. Um, it's interesting mm -hmm. that you're saying that that's what they're calling it, but it's, it's interesting that your, your, your child cannot, uh, stay as what they are. If they said, yeah. you know, I want, I want hormones to feel more feminine. Oh, you can't do that. You can only mm -hmm. convert to the opposite of what you biologically are. So, you know, that's, that's conversion therapy is a forced fixed outcome in, in the one direction. Mm -hmm. And you guys interviewed um, a beautiful mother who lost her child, unfortunately, it just brought me to tears to listen to her story about uh, the school changing her pronouns without her consent and even knowing and the mental health issues that were going on for her. And then ultimately, she took her own life. I mean, it's just absolutely heartbreaking when you can see the um, the long term impacts of this. And so one of the other things that was really uh, mind blowing to me, because I hadn't really researched this was about the detransitioners, because a lot of the left and the other side will say that is very rare, barely happens, um, you know, da, 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 da. And I, you know, in your documentary, it was quoting as like, there's up to 50,000 already detransitioners, right? I mean, that right. is alarming right there from a social contagion. Right. And what yeah. were your thoughts when you interviewed um, that one in particular, having like a full hysterectomy and starting at age 13? I mean, this is not uncommon, like people want to gaslight us about. Right. I mean, well, and that's the thing too, is that it's not okay for even one child to have undergone a double mastectomy at 13. And they say that it's not happening and it is, and it's denying, you know, these, these real victims, um, you know, their their justice and, and and validating that the experience that they had and who participated in and, and the, the hospitals everyone who was involved in that um and they do that just to discredit saying oh well there's not enough there's more people that are happy but the long-term studies actually don't bear that out 
Um, and for people who really want to do a deep dive in, you know, we've collected some of the best resources and studies, and we, we have that on our website, freedomforever.us, for people who really want to unpack gender ideology and what are the actual facts, what are the outcomes, um, because the long-term outcomes are showing an increase in suicidality and a lot of uh, regression. Um, so, you know, a lot of these kids too have sexual um, trauma in the past, or they have other comorbidities like being on the autism spectrum. Um, so these kids are, are being denied healthcare. They're being denied mental health care and support, and they're being fast-tracked to uh, hormones and puberty blockers that are causing lifelong trauma and consequences. And we've worked with a lot of these detransitioners and hearing their stories every single time is just absolutely heartbreaking. And I, I wish that more people could hear all of their stories, but they're suppressed and they're treated like garbage from that same community that most of them were once part of. Mm -hmm. um, and they they don't have any medical resources to undo the harm that's been caused. Their mm -hmm. healthcare, their uh, health insurance won't cover those treatments. So, I mean, it's it's just, it's it's really sad when when you look at how little resources there are available for them. And this is where in the Unschooling the Mind community, we try to unpack these programs and we talk again about the subconscious brain. And the reason that those people that were once so loving and accepting of these ones that wanted these little ones that want to transition, turn on them when they detransition is because they're turning on the program. You're actually not arguing with anyone. You're actually arguing with a program. And that is clearly depicted in your documentary. You guys attempted many, many times to reach out to people on the other side of the issue. And you were met mm -hmm. with just closed doors and people that left. And I just recently listened to the seven-part series uh, podcast about J.K. Rowling's and the witch trials, the witch trials of J.K. Rowling's. And it was the first one that I ever listened to where you could kind of see both sides, but even then you could see the programming. You could see that these, a lot of them, the ones that were open to talking and that were just upset that JK Rowling sided with women and thought that, you know, she'll have a change of heart that they came from trauma. Right. And then you have the irate ones that are telling her that she's, you know, they're going to slit her throat and all of the things. And these are all triggers that trigger the program. It's not actually the person. And so what did you find? Did you actually find anyone that was willing to sit down and have a rational conversation with you from the other side? Um, I'm not really about gender ideology other than the parent that, you know, has a, you know, non-binary or non-gender conforming child and the drag queen. We didn't really talk about gender ideology, but we talked about, you know, the sexualization of children. But um, in general, in my experiences, like just testifying in hearings um, that for these bills to protect kids, I've been met with so much vitriol. Um, in some cases, you know, I've been spit on. I've had people scream in my face, call me horrible things. Um, so there's a lot of violence that that comes mm -hmm. to this community because like you said, when that, that program is triggered, um, they react violently because you're mm -hmm. threatening their entire reality and their reality doesn't allow questions. Mm -hmm. um, they're in a cult. Cults don't mm -hmm. allow you to be, to challenge the, the orthodoxy. You know, you cannot mm -hmm. ask questions. So, um, you know, that's something that we've seen a lot of uh, sitting, you know, with the drag queen, you, you also see that reaction, that defensiveness when we're having a very respectful uh, discourse, just I was asking basic questions and you can see how quickly, you know, he shut down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it makes you wonder where is it going to be possible and is it possible to, you know, bridge the gap? 
Right. And that's why we made this film. We didn't make it for the right to just sit and come together and say, yeah, you know, I told you so. We wanted it to get to people that need to see it the most. And that's that's what makes censorship actually really awful is, mm-hmm. is that the people who need to see this film the most are not, it's not going to show up in their feeds and we can't buy ads and we can't distribute it on Netflix or any of the mainstream, um, you know, film platforms because they don't want to wake these people up and they know how dangerous this film is. And for a film now, we have millions and millions of views now. It's interesting, the left-wing media, they had a lot of hit pieces to write while we were making the film, but they have not touched it. And I know that's because it's unassailable. The facts are unassailable. And if they even give this one iota of attention and have one person watch it, the whole house of cards will fall. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's, that is, it's, it's really alarming. Don't you find to be like, it's almost like we're waking up in a, in a video game where everybody is trying to kill us. It's like you've got the big (laughs) tech, you've got, you know, the medical mafia, you've got the governments and it's like, they're all in lockstep together to keep us silent, to keep those of us who want to bring common sense back to the forefront and the table. And, you know, what's wild about it is I think that even just by uh, our existence, us speaking our truth in any facet we are triggering the program, right? We are triggering the matrix. And that's, you know, when you look at why are these people reacting so violently? What is going on? And I believe that they are being manipulated and used as pawns because they have this trauma. And it's this old age neo-Marxist thing of divide and conquer and making the once oppressed become the oppressors. And it's this endless cycle that's happening before us. And what are your thoughts like deep down? Like, do you feel like we are in a communist takeover, like overtly? Like, what are your real thoughts about this? Absolutely. And I think that there's many evil entities that stand to power. I don't think it's just about one cabal either. I think that there's, you know, there's pedophiles, there's people that are just doing this for the monetary gain, power, control. But ultimately, I believe it's a spiritual battle. Um, I, I think that especially this, the reaction that we're seeing to Christianity. I've, you know, we have not seen to any other religion to this extent, the, the vitriol, the mockery, um, how Hollywood is, is doing these depictions of, you know, of, of Jesus and even the drag queens. I mean, there's a direct attack on Christianity because in, in, especially in the West, it's the last stand for morality. And we don't mm-hmm. have a country without morality and we don't have a society without morality. If, if everything is just moral relativism and nothing is actually right or wrong, then pedophilia isn't right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, rape isn't right or wrong. I mean, this is this is the problem with having no moral construct or foundation. And that's where they're inching towards every single day. It's just how much more can we push the moral boundaries before good people stand up and push back? 100%. And so is your take, I mean, they always say that the 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 last fall of any empire is usually when the the morals are gone and there's sexual depravity everywhere. Uh, you know, is is your take that this agenda is moving us towards normalizing pedophilia and actually having it on the docket like the LGBTQP organization? 
Yeah. And I think they'll do it under the whole map thing. Like, oh, I'm just a minor attractive person. I'm not actually acting on it. Mm. Oh, I'm just talking with kids in chat rooms. I'm not actually going to meet them. Oh, I'm going to meet kids, but I'm actually not going to do any sexual act with them. I just like to be around them. We just have a relationship. We just love is love. I just love them. We're not doing anything illegal. This is how they they do things. They move it a little inch until people go say, well, I guess they're not breaking the law. You know, I might not agree with it. This is this is the same moral argument we have every single day with the drag shows with, well, I guess puberty blockers aren't aren't sex changes, even though people don't realize puberty blockers chemically castrate boys and that they most of them don't ever have an erection or can procreate later in their life. You know, so many people are unwilling to dig underneath this and say, what are what is the cost of not taking a stand and absolving any moral boundaries here? Because there is a cost um, and we're all experiencing that cost right now. Okay, so let's put the cult members aside. We know what they think and we know how open they are to discord. What do you say to those who are standing by idly and just don't believe it and say things like there's no pornography in the school. There's that can't be, oh, that's ridiculous that P would be added on to the LGBTQ thing. Oh, you know, this is just book burning Christianity, you know, right wing rhetoric, you know, and that's not mm-hmm. happening in my school. Right. Well, I think to some extent they're in a cult as well. Maybe their cult isn't um, the extremists, but it's a cult of, you know, denying reality, um, yearning for like what we talked about that, what the brain wanting, what is familiar, that same status quo of ignorance and, and, you know, doing what's convenient and comfortable. And I don't want to hear about something, Landon, I don't want to hear about your human trafficking organization or the things you're doing, because then that would require me to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier to say you're exaggerating, you're a conspiracy theorist, because it absolves me of critically thinking and having to do anything. And I just want to go home and watch my Netflix and have my kid go to their private school and be popular and be happy. That's that old paradigm that they're that old program they're attached to. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is very hard for those people to break free. And that's, that's a big challenge because these are the people we interact with a lot, you know, especially even living in t- a, a very conservative area of Tennessee is the people that just have their heads in the sand. They don't want their program, their day disrupted. They like their life a certain way. Um, they don't want to be the activists. They don't want to be the ones taking the risks and standing up because their jobs are more important. You know, right. it, it's just, it's it's a sense of, you know, entitlement and narcissism to some mm-hmm. extent of like, well, my family's different than what about my family's sacrifice? What about my career? Yeah. What about, you know, everybody else, um, all the vulnerable people that are taking a stand that are even less fortunate than, than Robbie and I have been? Um, you know, there's just so much excuses. And I'm just at a point now where I have a little bit less grace because the, the stakes are just simply too high. Children are being mutilated and sexualized. Mm-hmm. There has to be a pushback and say, no, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. The information is all there. I often say at this point, it's a choice if you don't want to know. At this point, right. if you're saying things, it's like the, even the word conspiracy theorist is such a laugh now if anyone's using that in 2024, right? Like at this point, it's a choice. And and it again, it goes back to that programming. And I think you and I are on the same page in we can agree that this is a spiritual war. And so I do believe that those people will have the opportunity to take a stand because I don't think it's not coming to everyone's front door. And it's just a matter of, you know, I think it gets harder 
the more you wait. You know, I've had parents reach out to me at the 11th hour after hearing me or, or you know, kind of poo-pooing what I'm saying and doing the exact same things you just said. And then coming to me two years later and saying, oh my God, because they think I'm the only one that they can, that will listen to them, right? right? And validate their concerns. My daughter just told me she's non-binary and all of her friends are too. I don't know what, you know, these things are starting to happen. And it's like, okay, my daughter, my, my son just said that, you know, I'm a bigot and I don't believe in climate change. And, you know, and it's like, you can deal with this now and empower yourselves, uh, whether that be pulling your kids out of the system. And if you cannot sitting them down and starting to reconnect with them and giving them eyes to see quit, get out of this programming, that curriculum in school is going to be synonymous with success. Like we're, we're in the, we're in the business of war right now. Right. I mean, I think that's the other program is that people don't see and understand the magnitude of what's happening right now. Right. And that head in the sand is, is exactly why, um, so many, all wars have taken place, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. As you're talking, I mean, I was thinking about that, the quote, you know, about the people who were silent, you know, during the Holocaust. I mean, Mm -hmm. the reason these atrocities took place isn't just because there were soldiers willing to execute orders. It was because good men and people, good men and women and families refused to stand up. They gave up and they cared more about protecting, you know, their family than, uh, you know, harboring uh, the Jews or whoever it was, you know, throughout history, um, it really came down to their selfishness and staying silent mm-hmm. and complacent and refusing to do what it, it took to stop this evil. Mm-hmm. Well, we sure appreciate you, Landon, and we appreciate Robbie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have one more question for you before we ended on the podcast and move into our Q&A with our community. You guys have a background in Hollywood and a lot of us who are waking up you know, are doing the deep dives and the research and realizing that the Hollywood we thought was Hollywood growing up is not actually what it is. And realities are being broken and shattered. How, how true? I mean, I do believe on the alternative media side, there is a lot of loose ends and rabbit holes and conspiracies. I think you have to be discerning on both sides, but is Hollywood run by Satanists? Like, is this a thing? Like, like, are, you know, I, these are the things we get cut off for to talk about, but that's what everybody's thinking, right? Like, is this really true for somebody who's had like access to that directly, that group? Is this a thing? Right. I mean, I don't know if there's a, you know, black cave of, of Satanists that run Hollywood, but I know that there's many Satanists that are in Hollywood in positions of power. And that same goes for pedophiles. I mean, mm-hmm. it is an open secret that pedophilia is rampant in Hollywood. And if you ask any honest act, uh, child actor, you know, if they're, if they're in a position to tell you the truth, they will tell you. And if you notice a lot of the um, childhood actors that have opened up and talked about this, they no longer have careers. They're blacklisted. Mm-hmm. But then the mm-hmm. ones who um, are, you know, skyrocket to fame and success, they'll talk about, they'll, they'll give you hints. They'll talk about, you know, the abuse when they're younger, but that's about all they'll say about it. But they mm-hmm. they do say, you know, I was raped as a child or I was, you know, there was a, a, a weird guy that came onto me on the Nickelodeon set, like Ariana Grande was talking about these, these people do tell you, you know, what that, that environment is like. And once I woke up to what that environment was like, that the Hollywood dream that, you know, I was sold as a child was a complete lie. I mean, it was pretty devastating. Um, and I just realized I couldn't take part in it anymore. You know, you couldn't pay me enough to write songs for other artists to, to continue, you know, climbing the ladder. Um, I was unwilling to do what it, what you have to do as, especially as a woman in, in the entertainment industry to 
to get success, to get that promotion or that next thing. Um, so I was just done. I was done with that whole world. And, you know, I, I left and that, that was the end of my career. And I was a billboard charting artist, you know, I had success. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in successful bands. I've been on major labels. And, um, for me, I was just so depressed. It was a spiral downward of like losing my identity, losing that program and that, that belief in Hollywood and the dream and all that realizing that it is a lie. Yeah. I, I mean, it's fascinating. And these kids have been telling us for a long time. When you look at Corey Haim and you look at, you know, yes. all of these ones and, and, and then you go a step further and you start to think about the guys like Michael Jackson and like the accusations and not to say that they weren't real or they were, but like, he also was outing the entire industry and saying how, what they do to artists. And you're like, was he controlled and then killed off or whatnot? But the one that always sticks in my head. And I remember this from back in the day before I was kind of awake, let's say was Mel Gibson because I'm Jewish and they painted him as an anti-Semite and they got him on recording saying all these things. And in my mind at that time, I just wrote him off, right? Like just, Oh, that's what he is. Right. Not understanding. I, I mean, I, I go really deep into this where I actually believe that the dark side hides behind Jewish names. They're not, they're not like Satanists aren't, you can't call them Jewish. And I think they run in, I think there's evil in every religion. You look at the Catholic church, the Christians, I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's like insidiously everywhere. So you, they want us to fight about Jews, gender, religion, and, and it's not that right. Evil lurks mm -hmm. in all forms, but Mel Gibson said that Hollywood is paid through baby blood. Like the currency is baby blood, like, like child, like whatever he meant by that, whether it's the trafficking, whether it's the pedophilia, whether whatever, you know, and that to me now I'm like, Oh, and that's why it came out and was blasted over every news cycle that he was an anti-Semite and they got him record. I mean, you know, and then off he is on an Island gone away from everybody. And I don't know, but it just, when you wake up to understanding, like I did in 2020, that the media is a complete lie, you know, who do you trust? Like, do you Landon or, and your husband, Robbie, do you trust any of the institutions of which we've been raised anymore? No, absolutely no. not. They've lost credibility when they, when they lie to you. Um, and when you see good people suffer, um, and the coercion that has been involved in, in, in these psychological operations on, on innocent people and the history, especially in the U S government of enacting those horrible, you know, things on vulnerable groups of people. I, I don't have any, any trust, you know, with that said, I want to make it better. I want mm -hmm. to be a part of the solution. I'm not going to be so black pilled that I completely absolve myself of any responsibility and standing up and fighting or, you know, whatnot. And I see so much of that. Um, and it saddens me because in a way it's the same thing as burying your head in the sand. You're just burying your head in the sand, knowing everything's, you know, true. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's really important to me that it, it is hard to get up fighting, you know, systems that are broken, corruption, all of those things every day, but it's, we fight because it's the right thing to do. Amen, mama. Okay. So last, I'll give you the last word, what you would say before we say goodbye to the podcast and move into our Q and a, what, uh, would you say to somebody who's listening here, who's still on the fence has listened, might have a look at your documentary, but it's, is feeling completely overwhelmed. What is the first step for a parent who has their kids in the system, who hasn't even been checking what they're doing on tech, who realizes there is a problem is tuned in, but is overwhelmed. 
Right. Well, I mean, it is very overwhelming when you actually wake up to all of these things. And we've all been that been there on that journey of waking up where we realize, oh, this institution lied to me. Oh, this isn't true about this. Oh, this is actually dangerous. I was told it was safe. You know, that you're almost going through a grieving process. Um, and so, you know, part of that grief process is denial and then anger and then, you know, kind of regressing back and questioning yourself and gaslighting. I mean, there's so much that that is part of that journey of waking up. It's not easy. So it's important to have grace, you know, with ourselves and you can't fix everything overnight. Um, and I've talked about this for a long time of an inside out approach of really the most important thing is, is the foundation in your home um, and examining the environments and influences that your children are subjected to because you do have control as a parent of all of those things. Um, and it's not just saying no to things, it's saying yes to things that are healthier and more enriching and joyful and um, spiritually filling to our children. And that is really what they need. They're missing uh, their actual core needs right now. And they're being fed a, a diet of lies from the world. And they are getting the message that they have to conform with those lies in order to survive at school and in, in the world and on social media. And so it's really up to us to pull them from those environments to educate them correctly with truth, to give them the love and, and nurturing that they need to, to help nurture their their passions and um, and skills and develop those, but in an environment that is free of indoctrination, free of coercion, um, in any environment that you as an adult or a child are, are in that you can't ask questions is an environment that is there to control you to, with a fixed outcome to indoctrinate you if you can't ask questions. And so that's a big red flag, you know, that you can notice or ask yourself about different environments. If you go to school and you you can't ask your the teacher, you know what what they what they would do in this situation if your child came to them, if they would keep secrets, if they can't answer that question, then that's a hard no for that environment. Um, and parents need to, it's our responsibility to vet those environments, social media, all of those things. Um, so for more you know expansive uh, resources and and to elaborate on that conversation and to be a, a greater source of support, um, freedomforever.us is my nonprofit combating all forms of child exploitation. And we have a lot of resources available for parents. I love that you ended and and spoke about saying yes, more than saying no. Right. Because people feel like overwhelmed also, like I'm going to become a control tyrant over my child. And, and they, you know, when we are as parents in a state of fear, that's what we our natural reaction and me being an unschooling advocate, I'm really helping parents as I had to walk through that threshold myself of how do I create an environment of moving towards stuff, not just running away from and saying yes and giving them more freedom and choice in their interests and passions that are healthy ones and being on top of it. And we've all been asleep at the wheel by design. It's nobody's fault, but, uh, yeah, I'm, we so appreciate you Landon and your husband and all of the work that you're doing. You know, I, I love that you explained about, it can be just as bad as sticking your head in the sand as knowing everything and not doing anything about it, about it. And I see that too, obviously it, my, me being an advocate, being out there publicly, it's, it's difficult, right? It's not an easy thing to do, but you know, we, we hear the calling, you know, from a higher power, higher source. And so I feel that, uh, you know, we're just answering the call and I feel like the call is coming to everybody. And I just want to say, you know, take a second to, you know, pray protection over you and your family as you do the good work um, and you turn your, this mess into a message, which you have done so well with this documentary. So we will have everything in the show notes for everybody. Uh, Landon's the, the freedom 
forever.us will be in there and along with a link to support them. And please, you guys support these documentaries. You know, it's like 11 bucks, the best 11 bucks you'll ever make. It's two hours more, more of content. And we have to support people that are going out and actually creating these funds. Like forget the $11 a month, Netflix, literally. So uh, thank you so much, Landon, for your time. And we look forward to checking in with you at a later time and seeing what you're up to. And thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much for having me and for everything that you're doing. Wonderful. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much, friends. If you like the content that I am producing amongst a sea of censorship, please like, review, and share. If you are looking for support to pull your kids from the system and start your own Unschooling the Mind journey with an international online community of like-minded souls who are doing the same thing as you, head over to my website at tashafishman.com for all the details. To create strong communities right where you are, it starts with you. Thank you. Clear eyes, open heart, can't lose. See you next time.